Welcome everyone to another installment of the Madonna Get Together. I have uh, a very special guest, but I want to make sure I do a proper introduction uh, for our guest co-host today. I'm not even sure where to start because it, your resume reads like the Madame X Manifesto. You're <laughs> an actor, a writer, a writer for TV, a writer for movies, books. Uh, you've been in TV, you've been in movies, you're a playwright, you're a director, a teacher, a music video director, a game show participant, have an award-winning web series, uh, you have your own production company, you're a casting director, LGBTQ plus advocate. Please welcome the host of the podcast, You, Me, the 80s and the 90s, as well as the host of Wake Up with Wayne Tunks, weekdays at 7 a.m. on My 88 FM, live down under from Australia, or as Madonna likes to say, Australia. Uh, and you have the same name as me, Wayne. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so excited to be here, and thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> is it is it Tonks? Or tunks. tunks. Yeah. Okay. Tunks. Yeah. 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 Just. I was yeah. like, I I should have asked you, and then I'm like, well, uh, here we go. If I, if I get it wrong, I'm sure you'll correct me. Yeah. We, usually with a very broad Australian accent, it's Tunks. Yeah. Ah, uh, got it. <laughs> so, how are things going in Australia? How are you, how are you dealing with uh? covid and and all of that we have been so lucky down here in yeah. australia because we we closed the borders very early so you know we get upset if there's a couple of, like i think overnight there was a case in queensland of a doctor in a hospital that contracted it from patients and like we have like that one case which was diagnosed in the whole country today so we're doing pretty good wow that's amazing um i've I have a confession to make. I've I've never actually had a conversation with someone with the same name as me. Oh, there you go. Except my dad. Well, ah. so well, well, actually, that's debatable because he was a really quiet person. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is your dad's name? Is it Wayne? Also, Fred. No, it's Fred. Fred. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I actually went to school with five Waynes. Oh wow. Yeah, there was the, it was a very common name at, at that point in Australia, Wayne. And now there's like you never meet a baby called Wayne. <laughs> well, I don't know. We might have to keep that going. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm excited to have you here because we are talking about one of my most favorite, and I believe it is your favorite too, of all Madonna albums. Yeah, like 100 percent my favorite album. I, I love so much of her work, but but Like a Prayer is my favorite album of hers and of anybody. Can you can you tell me how you got into Madonna? Like what's your what's your kind of like how did you get into her? Actually it, it was like a prayer. Um I had sort of liked her until that moment. Um, but I really discovered Madonna um because of Like a Prayer, or really got into her because of Like a Prayer. I yeah, I saw the film clip for the first time and it just blew my mind. Right. I have a very similar, it's a similar experience for me. I knew who she was. Um, I had sister, my sister, my cousin were all into her before in the the earlier 80s. And then when Like a Prayer came out, uh, I'll go into it when we start talking about the tracks, but I, I didn't even know it was Madonna singing Like a Prayer. Um and it, of course, wasn't until like the Express Yourself video where I was like, oh, my God, like what, what, who is this new Madonna, um, which kind of gets into her, yeah. one of her reinventions. And we can talk about like the different types of music she got into um, and the the art of the video that just kept 
building on and on and the elevation of her videos from there. Yeah, definitely. And I think for me, you know, I was uh, like 14 at the time. So I think that's the age when you really, something yes. changes, you know, you, you're hitting that puberty and, and music just sort of became my everything and my salvation. Um, and so that album just meant so much to me. I used to play it like every single night before I went to bed, like literally every night before. Like it just... Now, did you have that on vinyl, cassette, or CD? No, I had it on cassette. Same. So I had the patchouli-soaked yes. cassette. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we're so much alike. We got the same name. Our <laughs> album is the favorite. It's the album that introduced it or kind of got us into Madonna. Um, so I'm yeah. excited. What I want to talk about is let's talk about the. Um, actually, I want to. I do want to go off track a little bit. I. I warned you before we started recording that I tend to go off topic a lot. And I wanted to kind of um, mention something because I was listening to your podcast uh, with Emma and you were telling or you and Emma were telling the story of her being nine months pregnant and you dragged her to the Rebel Heart (laughs) concert. Yes. (laughs) Did she have the baby? Did it come out a girl and did she call it Madonna? She didn't, which I think you know we uh, we need to have a chat to her about. Um, <laughs> but yes, she was she was heavily pregnant, and that day she was like, "Oh, I don't know whether I I'm feeling well enough to go." And I'm like, "Emma, we're going to regret this forever if you don't go." And she came along, and she did have a great time, which, which is fantastic. And I'd already seen the show once, and I went down to Melbourne to see it, and then. I came back, you know, home to Sydney and and went with Emma. So I didn't need to jump up and down and go as crazy the second time because, you know, I could be with Emma and, and, you know, be respectful of her being heavily pregnant (laughs) and still enjoy the show because I I knew what was coming. For those of us that are um, geography inept with Australia, how far away is Melbourne from Sydney? Uh, So it was like an hour plane ride. Oh, oh, you have to take a plane? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To drive from Sydney to Melbourne is probably, oh, you might be looking at a good 12 hours. Oh, wow. Okay. Australia is massive. Everyone thinks that it's really yeah. tiny, but it's actually really huge. So, yeah, you get to get from one state to the other, it's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I always imagine that it, it, it is really large, but I just, I didn't realize like the distance. Because if, if you compare it to like where I live now, I live in Richmond, Virginia. And for me to drive down to Miami would take me 12 to 13 hours. So that kind of puts things in perspective for me. Yeah, it surprises me when I'm in the States. I was in there, I was, I was there a couple of years ago. I got to see Madame X in Brooklyn when I was there. Um, and, but I went from Baltimore to New York on a train and it surprised me how quick that train ride was. Yeah, I was actually at the Madame X show in Brooklyn as well. Hey, we might've um, been there the same night. Probably the same night. How I, well... We'll get to it in a minute, but I I did dress up the night I went, um, in a costume related to like a prayer. Ah, very nice. But we'll talk we'll talk about that when we get to like a prayer. I don't want to jump the gun. Um, but let's talk about the lead up to like a prayer. So you know, eighty seven had come to an end. You can dance came out, um, and then she started filming for Bloodhounds of Broadway. So she dyed her hair dark. She started filming, uh, I believe they started filming Christmas Eve of 1987 for Bloodhounds of Broadway. That seems like such a weird, Doesn't it? A weird day to start filming, yeah. 
<laughs> I, I know it's like, you know, you don't get Christmas. You gotta, you gotta start filming. <laughs> See, it's, um, it's, it's also weird to me that Americans don't seem to like in, in Australia, literally everything shuts down for two weeks around Christmas. I wish it would be like that everywhere. Yeah. But, <laughs> but yeah, she, she started filming that. Uh, and the film didn't come out till two years later in November of 89, but I wanted to bring it up because I always had the most difficult time tracking her hair color change and the, like her look because she has it dark it's very short um and i believe you know like as like a prayer it's starting to grow out um i i believe she probably got a little bit of extensions in there and then you know it goes to blonde and then she dyes it dark again and then for blonde ambition she dyes it blonde again like i have spent years trying to perfect this timeline of when her hair changes <laughs> Because, you know, like if the movie came out in 89 and I see her with dark, short hair, I'm like, well, wh- when was this filmed? Yeah. So I always get confused. Um, I know it's not important to everyone, but it's important to me. <laughs> um, but she she did a song with Jennifer Grey called I Surrender Dear. Have you seen this movie? Or yes. Heard yes. Yeah, her no, no. I've seen, I've seen the movie and, and love the song. And, and she sounds so great like just the tone in her voice sounds really lovely she just sounds I, I think the style suited her so much yeah i i mean it's so weird because if you look at how you've heard her voice up until that point it's she's giving you something different vocally which i think she kind of had to do just because the the period of the song needed to match a certain style. So in she didn't even match this style when she did I'm Breathless, even though that was kind of I, I see that as being kind of like the same time frame of when that music the music that she was trying to portray. So yeah. but I thought this one was very it was very unique. Um and there's no recording of it aside from if you just pull it from a DVD, right? Yeah, which I've done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. We all have. <laughs> I used to hold the tape recorder up to the TV speaker and record it off of there. Um, but as we move into early 88, she was uh, tapped by Pat Leonard to write a song for Marilyn Martin. And the song was called Possessive Love. And this is a song I didn't really discover probably probably more within the past 10 years. Um, I didn't realize it existed. And then when you listen to it, uh, it's very, for me, it reminds me of something that would have, something that would have been written during who's that girl. Um, not sure how, what your thoughts on that song are. I literally had not heard that song until you sent it to me during the week. I didn't even know it existed. Um, and yeah, I had a listen and you know, it didn't, jump out at me to start off with i've got to admit i mean you can hear the madonna beat as you said it is very reminiscent of that who's that girl era um yeah but i I can see why it wasn't actually a madonna single yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i well what's weird about this is this is i believe this is the first time that madonna ever wrote for someone else like specifically it's not like it was madonna writing the song for herself it would and then gave it away it was Pat Leonard asked her to write this song with him. And Madonna's only caveat was, well, is she a nice person? 
and that was the only caveat to her agreeing to writing the song, um, which I thought was quite interesting. But then yeah. Marilyn Martin was asked to sing backup on Cherish when time came to record Cherish. Oh, wow. And of course she agreed. And I really don't know Marilyn Martin. I, I didn't know her other than this, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but then Madonna goes into rehearsing because now she's accepted a role in a Broadway production for Speed the Plow, um, which is not a musical. It's it's strictly acting. Yeah, and David Mamet is so wordy as well. You know, beautiful words, but very wordy. So for, for somebody just throwing themselves into a Broadway show, it's a, it's a big show to get into. Yeah. Um, and Madonna's response to it was, it felt like really good sex. Yeah. Which... At, at first, that's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until she went on David Letterman. <laughs> yes. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. You know, I think, I think long-time theatre is really good in theory until you actually do it. And then it, it is exhausting, you know. And, and I guess if it's not your passion, it's not something you're going to enjoy. Right. Um, and I, th- I think that uh, I've... I've only seen the clips that they've shown on TV, um, but she seemed really pleased with it. And Madonna is very, very good at being professional. So I think during the time when she's doing actual promotion for the show, yeah. she, she did a real good, good job of talking it up and before, and, you know, performing what she needed to. But as it starts winding down and she shows up on David Letterman with Sandra Bernhardt, which is the most bizarre interview anyone will probably ever see because they're just like two giddy schoolgirls, but they just seem like, they just seem like off the walls, but it could just be the energy that they shared, um, that they enjoyed that <laughs> each other's company and just wanted to give David Letterman a hard time. Yeah, Have you ever think- seen that? Yeah, I have. And I think that, you know, they had a joke going that none of the rest of us were in on. Right. And, and you know, when you've got a friend and you've got that secret language and you just find everything in that moment that you're doing absolutely hilarious. And that's what I thought there. It was just friends with a with a shorthand in a relationship, just having a really great time and a great laugh. And we don't usually get to see celebrities do that. And I, I thought that was really, I, th- I thought it was great. I wouldn't want to see it all the time, but it was really nice to see her let down the walls and just sort of be a bit foolish for a second yeah and we'd never seen madonna like that even even in previous interviews she's just very composed and very coy and this was just like this is madonna just having fun and laughing and yeah and i had never i had never well i actually never saw that until after i became a fan but even looking at older interviews from the first album from the virgin tour from true blue particularly because she was she was more composed in those interviews um this just seemed wow who's this girl yeah (laughs) or who's that girl exactly you know she usually is very controlled and and she gives great interview because you know she thinks ahead and i always think she knows what she's going to answer you know, because she's smart enough to know what questions people are going to ask her. I don't think people will ever be able to surprise her with a question. So, you know, she knows exactly what she's going to say. Uh, so in this moment, I think she was completely unguarded and just, yeah, just had some fun. Because it wasn't her interview. It was Sandra Bernhardt's interview. So right. She could do whatever she wanted. And 
Madonna has continued that trend to do whatever she wants in the interview, yes. especially yes. on David Letterman. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And I feel like that's part of the joke is that, you know, she just doesn't care enough about David Letterman. And, you know, and seeing now when we look at David Letterman and we look at some of the questions he's asked his female guests over the years, yeah. I feel like it's I'm really happy that Madonna was the one that was, you know, giving it back to him and, and um, not letting him have it easy. It is, and he's come under fire recently for um, interviews he's done with Lindsay Lohan and Paris yes. Hilton, and you know it's it's fun to watch Madonna fuck back with him. And what I find interesting is when she was doing that, all the fingers were pointing at her, being like, "Look at this person here! Look how unpoised they are!" And you, you know what I mean? Like they weren't they weren't going after him at that time; they were going no. after the the women after madonna for for striking back at him yeah because because a man can say whatever they like but a woman has to you know do be polite and and follow the man's lead exactly um during this time she also made this aids commercial it was like a psa and it was her in a high school and i i always have to remind people that you know like madonna was a huge aids activist in the 80s and we didn't have um, celebrity advocacy in the 80s for AIDS and everything. And she was very prominent. And um, I think she did this and then she also did like a marathon. Um, and then, you know, in the following year or so, she did the Don't Bungle the Jungle again with Sandra Bernhardt. And they sang, I Got You, Babe. Um, which is hard hard to watch. Yeah. It's very hard to watch, especially because the quality is like really bad. So yeah. and and then there was that whole like that kind of like lesbian uh, toying with each other, like joking around, but everyone took it like so seriously. Um, Again, which I think is part of their the humor that they had. They found it right. so hilarious that people took everything they did so seriously. And I love watching her and Sandra Bernhardt together. Like, it's just, it's just like a riot. It's just yeah. fun and entertaining to watch. If, if times were different, they should have had a reality show together. Yeah, definitely. And they would have <laughs> if it was now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in September of 88 is when Madonna officially starts working on Like a Prayer. And she's working with Pat Leonard Stephen Bray, Prince, um, and it, it all kind of, um, they're working together, putting songs together. It, her and Pat Leonard always have like this, this natural chemistry with each other. And I think her and Stephen Bray did too. Um, unfortunately that, uh, that relationship went sour. Um, but in December of 89 is kind of when, and I don't want to, talk too much about it because you know if if you're not part of what's going on you really don't know you only know what's been reported but you know that's when the kind of accusation of you know like madonna went to a sheriff station um with like a busted lip and there was the claims of spousal domestic abuse from sean penn and it was really unfortunate that all this happened she's later has recanted that statement that anything had happened um but they file for divorce the next month. So um, it was kind of like really unfortunate because if, if you look at their relationship from when it started through like the true blues, it, they were kind of like in this marital bliss and they only cared about each other. 
Um, but unfortunately, you know, things happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, at the end of the day, we'll, we'll never know what, what really happened in that, right. you know, in that relationship. But I think it had a huge influence on the record. For oh, sure. very much so. Um, mostly, of course, you know, till death do us part. Um, but I think even, even throughout the recording process, because I, I feel like it probably provoked a lot of uh, emotion behind her singing, whether she was feeling hurt or feeling really good one day or feeling really bad one day, but she's still pushing through and, and still singing. I, I feel like that emotion, that personalization of emotion that, that showed through to this album um, is very prominent. And whether or not that was just about Sean or uh, other things that were going on in her life, um, I think it's really important to point that out because this is, I feel, her most personal album. Oh, very much so. Yeah, I, and I think, you know, you have to wait to something like American Life before she really yes. uh, dug that deep again. Agreed. Um, but bef- right before the album came out, she sealed a deal with Pepsi to be their spokesperson for, uh, I don't know what the time length was, but they were going to sponsor her Like a Prayer world tour. Um, and what I, so she filmed a video with Mary Lambert for the Like a Prayer song, but then she filmed a commercial for Pepsi using Like a Prayer, but it's like, it's a totally different, you get a totally different vibe from the commercial, from what you see in the commercial, because it's almost like another video than you do for the actual video that she releases. And, um, the day before her video is supposed to premiere, that's when they show this commercial. And then the next day the video drops and all hell breaks loose because um, people did not like the Like a Prayer video at all. Uh, they were threatening to boycott Pepsi. Um, they, She just stirred so much controversy as she can do. Um, (laughs) but I, and you told me that the video kind of had a profound effect on how you fell in love with Madonna. Do do you want to elaborate on the video and when you first saw it and how you felt? Yeah. So I just think I had never seen anything like that before. You know, the whole using religious uh, imagery to talk about racism and, and to show all that kind of stuff and, and dancing in front of the burning crosses. It was just, I don't know, it just was so powerful to me. I, I just felt compelled. And I, I don't think I could put into words back then why that was. But I, I think for me, you know, it was it was my formative years. I was trying to accept, you know, my sexuality, which took a few years to come to. Um, And, you know, he was this woman who was just doing what she wanted to do and and saying basically F the system. Um, And it just was so powerful and wonderful to me. And and I just suddenly everything else seemed so frivolous compared to what she was doing. It was I, I when I start talking about this album, sometimes I don't know how to verbalize because it like you were saying, it's very powerful to watch this video, um, especially from start to finish. and be able to tell this story and tell this message with, you know, some of the imagery that was very shocking to people like the stigmata, um, having a 
a black Jesus. Um, and the whole like wax figure thing was freaky to people and showing a woman get stabbed or showing the burning crosses. And I think the burning crosses like really, um, I think that one probably struck people more because that is typically a symbol of a a racist mark um, where her perception was, it was against it. It was, it's in the backdrop because she's, she's fighting against it. Um, And I don't think a lot of people got that, which is understandable. Um, But I, I do remember, do you remember VH1 where they would show pop-up video? We did get pop-up video down here. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Um, I just remember uh I guess there's a number of burning crosses that are that are reported to like the police or something. And I guess when they were filming that video, they kept like the police department kept getting calls because of this video. And oh, I guess wow. they had a permit. I don't I don't know how that all works, but um I assume it's it's just kind of stirring that controversy and i'm sure if someone went out there with a video camera at that point they'd be like oh my god madonna's in front of a burning cross yeah yeah and it is it is it's shocking and you know to talk about you know because she was so years ahead of anybody else you know talking about that level of racism and and you know and and basically that the police automatically assumed that it was the black guy that murdered the Um, right you know it was there she was talking about this really important stuff and and sadly conversations that we're still having today uh, yeah, particularly in America with, with everything that happened last year with George Floyd um, and Breonna Taylor, like though uh, that message stands as strong today as it did, you know, yeah, 32 years ago. Auto. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to tell my story about how I learned this was Madonna. This song used to come on the radio all the time, of course, because it was like a number one song, but you know, I was, uh, I believe I was uh, 10 at the time yeah. when this song came out. So I never like paid attention to who was on the radio. It was just like, oh, a song comes on, I like it. And this was one of those songs. And I didn't know what it was about this song, but it like spoke to me and it had a great melody. It, it, it just, I don't know why, but it just stuck with me. And I never knew who sang it. And there was a point in time where um, my sister had some friends over and I was turning on the TV because I wanted to watch it or or watch TV. And I heard the song and I saw an image on there and my friend's sister turned it off. She goes, we're doing something else. And I'm like, wait a minute. I need to know who that is. They're like, it's Madonna. Don't worry about it. And I'm like, that to me, that's when it struck in my head. I was like, whoa, how is that Madonna? She has long curly dark hair that's not the madonna i've ever seen before and i remember just like thinking just wowed and i need to know more so i need to keep watching mtv whenever i could so i can catch this video again um that's how i discovered it was madonna i loved the video too like i love the whole like setup of it being like a theater production and it's good to know that no one died and no one really went to jail and it was all a stage production, you know, I just yeah. love that part of it too. Yeah. And I guess, you know, and, and part of that may have been influenced by Madonna, you know, doing some theater as well. Yeah. Um, this was her and Mary Lambert's last collaboration, unfortunately. 
Yeah, and you know, and clearly, clearly, Mary was such a great uh, film clip director. Uh, yeah, I've always said that uh, that's probably a relationship that I recognize the most, where they Mary Lambert knows how to shoot Madonna. Like, yeah. there's never been a bad shot of Madonna in a Mary Lambert video. Not to say that there is in other other in other videos, but she just has a way to shoot Madonna that just looks so warm, and um, she just looks. Like so beautiful and, and natural. Yeah, definitely. When the single was released, we got, um, well, in some some areas, they got what's called remixed prayers. Um, and other people just got like the single. And it's, it's weird because in America, um, we still had vinyl, but as a young child, vinyl was on its way out. It was either cassettes or if you had the extra money to buy CDs. But for like Prayer, um, none of the singles, none of the maxi singles, like with the remixes, were ever released on cassette or CD until Keep It Together. It was all on vinyl. So it was very hard to hear these remixes. Like I didn't get a hold of the remixes until um, the mid-90s. I I had I ended up buying the uh, a little bit later, but I bought the twelve inch uh, yeah. single on on record. But I also bought uh, we were able to get in our record stores the Japanese CD, uh, so the right. remix yeah. prayers that have the sort of the Japanese writing on it. Uh, so I got that for both um, like a prayer and expression. Nice. I have I have the remix prayers from Japan, um, and then I have the I guess there were the European singles, like in the nineties, the European singles started getting re-released with like, like prayer, express yourself, cherish, keep it together. Like, um, those are, those are like one of the favorites of my collection. And speaking of remixed prayers, the artwork, um, well, actually let's talk that the streaming of like a prayer was just released last week for like a prayer. And we got remixes on there that, we hadn't got for the um the dub and the the drum dubs yeah now i'm now i'm now i'm drawing a blank because i don't have it in front of me but the we have never had it on streaming before but now it's now it's released so we don't have to like pull out our cds rip the audio from it and try to get it into our streaming services like it's it's all available to us now say i'm so old-fashioned i don't I have Spotify that I use every once in a while, but I'm mostly a. Um, I'm still using my uh, my iPod Classic, which has so ah. many Madonna remixes on it. <laughs> yeah, I have that too, and I was listening to. I used to have it in my old car, but my um, unfortunately my old car broke down, so I have my iPod Classic. Um, but I've been trying to just and I and I put every remix that I could on there, like even stuff that I don't have a CD for, and I downloaded it off the internet. Um, those are the ones I keep on my iPod classic, but as these streaming ones are coming out and I want to kind of, um, not have to carry around an additional device. I've, I've kind of adapt, adopted the streaming stuff, um, just because it's easier for me to take it out and plug it into my car versus yeah. the iPod classic, which, um, requires a, a, some additional configuration to work in newer cars. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just plug my USB into it, so I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the image that's used for the cover of Remixed Prayers is artwork done by her brother Christopher. 
and it's just absolutely beautiful. Like it's so iconic. Uh, I, I, like I, I love it. And you would think that a big artist like that would want to put, you know, her photo front and center, but it just right. works so much better. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get to her photo front and center in a minute because we're going to talk about the album cover. Um, but I just, I love this image so much because it just, I don't know why it makes the most sense, but it just makes the most sense even with kind of like the, um, I don't know, the, the boobs are just drawn as if I was a child and I was drawing boobs on something. Uh, I just find it kind of humorous, but also brilliant at the same time that that's, that's the image that was chosen as like the first single. Um, and if, if you ever go onto streaming, what you'll see is that they removed that that C in the lower left hand corner, which I thought was kind of shady. Um, yeah, because you know Madonna and her brother have had a bit of a falling out over the years. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this maybe the C could have dropped like the P was dropping on, on after MLVC. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that was supposed to be. It was supposed to be up there beside the P, but since they were divorcing, um, Sean Penn was divorcing the P. Yes, fallen. the pen, the pen was falling away. Yes. <laughs> um, but I wanted to bring up that image because I actually dressed up as that image for the Madame X show. Oh wow! We mustn't have been there the same night. I did not see that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had it on um, as I got in line waiting to get inside, and I had like this halo too. Um, that was like a made of metal and I had to go through the metal detector and the security guards asking me like, what is this? And I'm like, uh, it's a prop. It's, it's part of my costume. It's, it's a halo. He's like, huh? What? All right, fine. And then <laughs> it was, it was just like this weird interaction. And I tried to keep it on as long as I could because I kind of wanted her to see me in yeah. it. Um, because I was down on the floor. I was probably, uh, within the first 20 rows, but towards the back of the, the 20 rows, but on this, on one side. And um, I kept it on for like the first two songs, but then I had to start taking it off. But when she sang like a prayer, I had to go put it back on. I tried to yes, put it back course. on. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was really fun. And I, and I did it. Um, I did a Madame X version. So I had an eye patch. I had like a, a white eye patch uh, yeah, yeah. with the, the green X on it. I was very lucky. They were, they were actually very nice to me, the security guards, because when I turned up, I had the ticket on my app, which was on a Ticketmaster Australia app, and it Ooh. wouldn't scan. And so I suddenly was in this world of, oh, my God, I'm not going to get into this concert. And then she called her manager over, and he was like, oh, no, the problem is you're using an overseas app. Can you log in through your, through the website? And I was able to get in. But for a good two minutes there, I was thought I was going to pass out. Oh, Wow. Panic. Yes. Panic so ensues. Thank, so thank God they were nice to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you got through because that was a great show to see. Yes. Yes. Particularly when I'd come up to the other side of the world. Yes. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite performance of Like a Prayer? Because she's performed it a lot. See, for me, it's a personal story. Um, uh, for me, when she sang it in, in Melbourne on the Rebel Heart Tour, uh, that for me, because I wasn't expecting it, I knew it wasn't on the set list. Uh, and she sang it that night and she got the whole uh, Rod Laver Arena to sing along and just hearing her and the audience singing like a prayer, like I cry. That's, <laughs> Tears appeared that's in my amazing. eyes. 
Yeah, and actually she sang it again when she came to Sydney. So I, I think she knows Australia's connection to the song. So you know, she sang it quite a bit in Australia because it went to like number one like three times in 1989. Like a friend. Wow. Uh, now, I'd have to look at my Rebel Heart DVD, but is it, didn't they include did they include like a prayer on that DVD? I think they did. I'm trying to remember now too. I'm I'm pretty sure. I've watched it like maybe once or twice, mainly because I saw the show twice. But yeah. and then watching it, you can get an ep- yeah, I epileptic after seizure. You, after you've seen a show live, it's never as good watching it uh, on video. Uh yeah, I you know yeah, yeah uh, because the shows that I watch that I've seen on TV the most are the ones that I watch on TV the most, but the ones that I have seen in person, I don't watch. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good um, observation yeah. that made me realize that, that, yeah, I guess I do that too. Yeah. Cause you don't, you don't get the same, the same high as you get from watching it live. Right. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about the album cover and yeah. the album itself, like the artwork, um, the uh the the logos the icons the the font choices um i will bring this up in every show as much as i can but i believe this might be the last one that i can bring it up but jerry hyden is, was the art director for Warner brothers at the time and she did all the all the art direction for madonna's albums from like a virgin through immaculate collection i believe uh, and i'm not sure if she did on breath on breathless but she did for like a prayer she did the album and she did all the singles so all the art treatment font choices um i'm i'm guessing the chosen photographs all were under the direction of jerry hyden who like i love and maybe one day i can get her on the show but i think um it's just an amazing job like every single and every and the album cover just matches the the feeling of that song or the feeling of this era. Yeah. It's just, I, I love the logo. I think that's my favorite part of it. Just um, it's such a, a beautiful logo done really incredibly well. And just that crown for me just yes. t- tips it up. I just love it. Cause she's a queen. She is the queen. You know, she <laughs> had, she was, she is, will always be the queen. I, I think I remember you mentioning you, do you have a, like a prayer tattoo? I do. I have uh, the opening four lines of Like a Prayer tattooed to my thigh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> You're going to have to send me a picture. Yeah, I will. I will. Or if you can look at my Instagram and go down f- far enough, you'll actually see it. Ah. I, I got it photographed on the day. And I, I think the tattoo that. artist did it because I I, uh, I got it done in a fairly rough area of Sydney, and I feel like it was the first Madonna-themed tat they had done, but they absolutely loved it. <laughs> I'm sure it looks amazing, and it's, it's very um, poignant especially with it being an album that means so much to you. Yeah, and just those the, just those l- lyrics are just so beautiful and I feel like anybody can put themselves into those lyrics and I certainly have. Yeah. And I thought it was a great choice because we talked about, you know, her first single, at least the remix single didn't have her image on it and the album cover doesn't have her image on it either and this is the first album that she her face isn't on the cover. Yeah, and just because some of those other albums, just those images are so iconic. You know, your True Blue right. and you're like a virgin. 
um, like the album cover was just as important as the album. So yes, it was an interesting decision for her to make. Yeah, because you can find it online, but the the image that this was taken from, there is an image of her full size and she's standing by a window and she just looks, the way that she looked when she was doing all these dark haired photos, you know, for the album or even around the time of the album, um, she was, she kind of just like took away all the makeup. She looked very raw. She looked very natural. Um, Herberts did the majority, if not all of these promo shots for any magazine covers, single covers, um, any of the artwork that was used in the album. And he's another one, of course, that Madonna has a great collaboration with. Um, oh, he knows how to shoot Madonna. I mean, but you know, Herbert knows, knows how to yeah. shoot anyone, but he knows how to shoot Madonna. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually went to a Herberts uh, exhibit um, here where you know they talked about his influence in music and they had a whole bunch of Madonna pictures that were taken. Um, oh, wow. But I went to this panel where like his assistants or people that worked closely with him. So the, one of the things that they talked about was Madonna and they said, you know, he had a very strong relationship with her. Um, and they also said that he primarily took all of his photos outdoors. So even if it looked like it was indoors, it was still done outside because he liked natural lighting. Um, and when I think of this album and some of the images that were taken, I try to like place place where this would have been taken or, or what kind of backdrop or how far away he was from the camera when he took it. It was it was really kind of like enlightening and interesting at the same time where, you know, I want to know more. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we had already mentioned the patchouli smell. So if you got a cassette or the vinyl, um, Madonna wanted something to represent it feeling like a church. So she had patchouli oil mixed in with the packaging glue for the cassettes and the vinyl. I don't know if, I don't think it was done for the CDs. I think some fans have claimed that their CDs have patchouli smell. I, but... I got the CD a couple of years afterwards. I remember if I mowed mm-hmm. the lawn a few times, my dad would, was going to buy me the CD, which he did. It did not smell of patchouli. Okay. So those other fans are lying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. We're just not here in Australia. I'm not, I'm not going to call anyone a liar. Um... <laughs> I will. I'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah, come um... to Australia and see me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what she also did is in sh- she included an AIDS fact sheet. So again, you know, Madonna is trying to draw attention to tell people like, listen, this is something that is happening. It's an epidemic. You know, here are some tips to try to keep you safer. Use condoms. Um, if you're going to do drugs, you know, make sure you use clean needles. Um, you know, just trying to share information versus it versus AIDS just being something that you're supposed to be afraid of. Yeah. And, you know, and the thing was so many people told her not to do that. And, you know, and yeah. through Madonna style, she said, well, I'm going to do it. Uh, and I think that, you know, people forget that, that she was such a leader in that. You know, if you think about the 80s, it was like her and Elizabeth Taylor, like pretty yeah. much they were the ones talking about it, um, which is so amazing. Yeah, so like so bizarre because if you think about now and and how, I mean, it's it's still not under control, but there's there's ways to treat 
those with HIV and yeah, and, and it's no AIDS. longer seen as a death sentence. But right. you know, in 1989, HIV was you know pretty much if you contracted it, you right? Have to die. Um, yeah. But I love the patchouli smell. I remember um, I got I, the cassette. I got the album as a graduation present from elementary school. So I just finished fifth grade and that was my mom's present to me. And I think from that moment on, like there was no getting me away from Madonna like ever again. Um, and I remember it had the patchouli smell. And of course I was, I always pulled out the, I pulled out the, the credits and the lyrics because I always wanted to learn the words. Um, and I just ended up like destroying it. I still have it and it still has the patchouli smell, but I remember going to a record store like a year or two later and, uh, there was two versions to choose from. One was like a faded blue and one was like a dark blue. And I was like, Ooh, that dark blue looks really appealing. So I grabbed that one. I bought that one and I opened it up. It doesn't have the patchouli smell. So the faded blue one, because that was like the first release, the the blues just look slightly different and, and the gold and the black of, of the printing of the name was slightly different. And I chose the wrong one, essentially. So what I did is I took patchouli sticks, like the incense, and I just <laughs> crushed it up and I shoved it in there and I just kept it in there for years. So now it's still, now it has um, a little bit of that patchouli smell. Oh well, good. As long as it's in there. <laughs> like I, I've I've had a lifelong love with patchouli because of I can't even say the word patchouli because of like a prayer. Right. Like it's my fa- it's my favorite scent. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So we get into the second song on the album, "Express Yourself." And so I have to ask you first: Are which which one are you a fan of more, the album version oh. with the horns or the Shet Pettibone remix? I think now the Shep Pettibone remix because I've heard it more. Yeah. I think because that's the one I've gotten used to listening to. Right. Um, but, you know, love them both. And what about you? I will have to say the Shep mix. And, well, actually, this is actually the song that made me a fan. So, yes, I listened to Like a Prayer, and that song spoke to me a lot. But other songs spoke to me too. But when Express Yourself came out, I remember seeing the commercial for the premiere of the video on MTV. And I remember thinking like, Oh, who is this? Because Madonna had dark hair. This can't be Madonna. So I thought it was like, at first I thought it was Cindy Lauper because um, around this time, Cindy Lauper had a video uh, for I drive all night or I drove all night. Yeah. Great. Song. Um, and she's, she's like naked in the street with her, you know, um, rocking back and forth. Or something like that, and something's projecting on her. I was like, "Oh, this is this must be for a new Cindy Lauper video." Um, but something told me in my head that said, "You have to record this." So when at this time that they're telling you that this is coming on, you have to record this. It doesn't doesn't matter what you're doing. Um, so I remember recording it, and this is this is the video that that made me a fan and. When it premiered on MTV in the United States, they used the Shep Pettibone remix. They didn't use the the album version. So from that moment on, that's the version I knew of. Um, and it wasn't until I got that album uh, a month or two later that I realized there was even another version of it. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I think you know because yeah, you you I watch the film clips so much as well. I've always been a, a visual person, so I would sit there and and tape. Uh, we had a TV show called Rage in Australia, uh, mm-hmm. which is still going. Um, and I would yeah, I would sit there and and tape everything, and then sort of spend the rest of the week watching that weekend's episodes of Rage. That's amazing. Like I I just remember the video to me was just amazing, and it kind oh, of started it- to hint to me toward too that I was like gay, being attracted to you know muscle men with oil all over them <laughs> you got a you got a very high standard set early yeah. i was like whoa well, hey what's going on here what well, well, whoa whoa <laughs> no, I, i'm i'm more intrigued yes yes exactly exactly but it was such a great film clip and i think you know i uh, i didn't know much about metropolis until i went to uni a few years later and and we studied metropolis at uni and and i guess that helped me grow an even more an appreciation for the film clip and and what she did uh, because it's it's so iconic. It's such a great film clip. Like like a prayer is my favorite, but express yourself is such a good clip. Yeah, I with the opening too. Like, come on, girls! Like that is just the way she's up on this statue, and then she switches sides. That to me, I I don't know. I I could watch that video over and over and never get tired of it. And and in fact, I did. I just watched that video over and over and over again. Yeah, and it's so interesting hearing her talk about the clip as well, and how you know David Fincher, Fincher pushed her even further. Uh, things like pouring the the milk over her shoulder, things that she didn't necessarily yes. want to do, but end up coming out looking great. And well, let's talk about David Fincher because he got his start doing music videos, and I don't know what his first music video was, but this is the first time I ever heard of him. Um, and he went on to make a few more of Madonna videos, iconic videos like Vogue, um, Bad Girl. Yeah. And Oh Father, which is, you you know, possibly my second favorite Madonna clip. Another amazing one. We will get to that in a minute for sure. Um, But I will, I will say that if you got the Immaculate Collection DVD, that has the kind of like the album version of the song with the video. And then if you have Celebration, it has like the Shep Pettibone remix video. Um, but the Shep Pettibone remix video is actually longer. Uh, I'm not sure by how many seconds, but there's a long, and it's to the outro. So where it's switching back and forth between um, Madonna and the the uh, worker and um, between what's going on out in the yard, um, they kind of like switch back and forth a little bit longer uh, and kind of like repeat a chorus again, I, I believe. But in the album version they shorten that yeah it's 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 an interesting one really that the the two sort of versions of the clip were actually made uh to suit both versions of the song which i i don't you know i don't know a lot of people doing that great thing and just goes to show the power of madonna yeah um i don't know if you had this in australia but in the u.s um there were two different single covers that were released for the cassette so there was the the one where she's wearing the leather jacket and she's she looks like she has just like spun around and she's got the dark hair, um, and then there was a another cover where it was like a black cover, uh, and it just says Madonna Express Yourself on it, and it just has like this logo in the background. The, the one I remember is is the one with her sort of you know kissing the air and the her yes. hair is flinging. Yeah, that's the one I remember. But I've always been so intrigued by that 
alternate cover on the cassette because I remember when I saw it in the store because I had already gotten the cassette um, for that and that's actually the first time I heard Look of Love too and I remember thinking because that's the B-side um, I remember thinking like oh I love this track I wonder if it's going to be on the album this is before I got the album um, yep. but then as I read the liner notes more it's like oh it's from Who's That Girl and that that kind of sparked me into thinking I need to listen more to her back catalog um, because at this time I'm just now starting to become a fan, but I'm already starting to discover music that I need more music that I need to hear from her. Yeah, no, I, I was the same actually, because yeah, like a prayer was my big introduction. I went back and, you know, got the older, uh, the older albums and, and started listening and, and discovering and falling in love with songs that I didn't know. Like, you know, like right. the cover of love don't live here anymore was, was yes. like in 1989 was like one of my favorite songs that year. And you know, it had come out all those years beforehand. Yeah. Um, but I do remember when I saw that single cover and I went to the store and I saw it, it was like this alternate cover. I'm like, Ooh, let me buy this because this might be the the video remix that I want to hear because the regular single just used like the seven inch version. It didn't use, um, it wasn't the the remix. So I bought it and then it's the same, it's the same exact one. It's the same exact (laughs) single. Like they use the same seven inch version on both. So I was a little disappointed that it wasn't the remix um, because I didn't actually hear the remix until uh, you get a taste of it on Immaculate Collection, but it's shortened. Um, But I didn't have it in hand, like a remix of Express Yourself until like the 90s when those um, those European CDs were released again. Yeah. So I finally got to hear all those remixes. And then I um, I kind of caved and I spent probably like, uh, I don't know, probably like uh, 80 to a hundred U S dollars on the promo single. Um, cause it has a remix edit. So I'm actually excited that all this streaming is coming on because I'm hoping that the promo version of the express yourself, so we can get every, all of the remixes on streaming. I, I um, reckon it's coming. I think they're all I hope slowly so. getting out there. I think, yeah, I think we're going to yep. get it. Frozen was just released today. Um, actually it's Saturday where you are. It's Friday where I am. Um, but frozen remixes were just released today on streaming. And I believe there's a plan for uh, bedtime story. The love don't live here anymore. Unreleased remixes are supposed to be coming out. Oh, um, that I will listen to. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the bedtime story mixes are so great. The, yes. the, uh, ju- the junior mixes are great. Yes. And William, the William orbit mix of bedtime story too. That one's a really good one as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, what else about Express Yourself? Oh, she performs at the VMAs. And I wanted to mention this because I didn't mention it when I talked about True Blue, but she did zero TV performances for True Blue. And she did one TV performance for Like a Prayer. And that was Express Yourself at the VMAs later that year. And to me, this is like... I. The, the performance is a very simple performance piece, but it's also like, really, like I love it. I love the way she looks. I love that kind of hair. Um, I love that look that she had because uh, it's around the time where she filmed Cherish and, and Oh Father. Um, and we get to see a premonition of what was to come on the tour. And she starts, she does voguing for the first time. Um, I'm not sure if you have a favorite performance of Express Yourself because I know she's performed that a few times. Oh, I love the the blonde ambition 
yes. express yourself. Yeah, it's just this iconic opening to her best ever tour. It's just amazing. And, uh, you know, I remember watching, they, they played the whole concert on television over here and just, you know, like that was one of my favourites in the show because it was so amazing, such a good start. And, you know, I think that so many people have tried to copy it over the years, but nobody can do Madonna like Madonna does. I know, right? They they should just stop. They should just stop trying. Well, they're not going to stop. Yeah, <laughs> they'll, they'll just claim they're not doing Madonna. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you, now? Are you a fan of Ponytail Blonde Ambition or non Ponytail? I, I think because I saw it first, I liked Ponytail. But you know, I, I I like either. But yeah, I do like the Ponytail. You know, because it was very unique for the for that period of time. Did you see? Did you see the Blonde Ambition tour live? No, it didn't come to Australia. Oh, okay. First time she came here was Girly Show. Oh, and that one you did see. I did, yes. I do yes. want to talk to you about that, but we'll we'll, we'll get to yeah. that. I'd actually say, well, now thinking about it, we're talking about Express Yourself performances, um, i probably say uh, if we're talking about performance just in general, i I, I give it to the VMAs. Um, or at that time, it was called the Video Music Awards. They didn't shorthand it. Um but I'd, I'd probably give it to that. Second would be Blonde Ambition, but third would definitely be The Girly Show. Yeah, um, I did love it in The Girly Show as, as well. And I, I love it in The Girly Show uh, DVD because it was filmed in Sydney. You know, she, she's saying, you know, G'day Australia, which, you know, I love hearing, you know? yeah, <laughs> obviously, because I was in that audience somewhere. Uh, w- were you in the audience during the filming? Uh, so it was filmed over two nights, and yeah, and I was in there for one of those. Oh. Yeah. Oh, you're so lucky. Um, (laughs) Well, no, because I didn't get to see Blonde Ambition. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't get to see either of those, but I I will tell you, um, and I'll probably talk about this when I talk about Girly Show, but I actually spoke to Liz Rosenberg when I was like 14 years old um, because I, well, I didn't know any better. I'm just, I was trying to find out if the Girly Show was going to come to uh, Washington DC because, you know, I live in Richmond, Virginia and, um, she had, she started, they weren't sure where she was going to go in the U S and I think she only performed, um, in three cities. She only did New York. Um, I think was it Philadelphia and, uh, Detroit. And those are the only three cities in the U S that she performed the girly show. So when, she had her first performance. I believe it was, was it New York or was it London? I think it might've been London, but I remember, um, I don't know how I got her number. Oh, I know what it was. I called. (laughs) Okay. This is funny. I'll tell the story all again, or I'll edit it out in this and then tell it then. But I called Maverick records and I said, can I speak to Madonna please? (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, um, you'll have to call her publicist. And then, um, or, or I, or I said like, you know, like this is about her tour. I want to, I want to get some information about our tour. And then they're like, you're going to have to contact her publicist. Here's her number. Um, so they just gave me Liz Rosenberg's number and I call Liz Rosenberg and Liz, she's like, huh, what do you want? We don't know yet. We don't, we don't know when she's, where else she's going to perform. Like she was just very curt with me and it was just, I, I never, I never cherished that moment because, uh, you know, I didn't understand who Liz Rosenberg was at the time. So, um, and then I had my stepmom call her 
And I was like, hey, can you call this number and get some more information? She wasn't very nice to me. <laughs> and I'm like 14 years old. And because my stepmom was going to take me and my stepbrother to D.C. to go see the girly show. But um, then she found then we found out, you know, like, well, she's not coming to D.C. But I thought that was like an interesting story. I'll, I'll have to tell that a million more times. I don't know if anyone will believe me. <laughs> no, it's a gr- well, I, I don't think you could make that story up. Really. <laughs> you know, it's um, not a, I met I met Madonna at the 7-Eleven and she was really nice to me. You know, that's not that kind of story. That, right. that clearly <laughs> happened. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it was around this time when she was filming the uh, Express Yourself video is, is because she changed her hair color. She started filming Dick Tracy, I believe, right? Yes. Is this around yeah. that time? Yeah. Um, and then she did uh, the Molly Mel- Meldrum interview. Did I say that right? Molly Meldrum? Yes, Molly Meldrum. Uh, who ha- she has a good rapport with because she has done uh, a few interviews with him before. Well, it's basically because of Molly Meldrum that Madonna broke in Australia, and she broke in Australia before anywhere else in the world. Burning Up went to 13 in Australia, and it was, oh, on, nice. the back, it was on the back of uh, Molly Meldrum. He was the host of the Australian show Countdown, uh, which right. was the number one music show in the country. Uh, and he had met Madonna and loved her and just played that song over and over again, and it became a hit. I, on my radio show, recently spoke to David Seri, who's the lead singer of a band called Real Life. Um, Mm -hmm. And he was telling a story about when he was in uh, America and they were over there and Molly Meldrum was there for the Countdown Awards and was interviewing them. And he was late because he had to go meet a new starlet um, that day, but he was late meeting her because he was hanging out with real life. And that was the first time he went to go meet Madonna. Oh, that's so interesting. I love hearing stories like that. And I mean, if you had told me this story at that time, I probably wouldn't have cared, but to hear it now and just hear, you know, uh, just seeing how like things took shape is what's really interesting to me. Um, And it's something I appreciate more as I get older versus, you know, trying to just like live in the moment and just try to seize the day, so to speak. But I like to kind of, um, I relish those types of moments when I hear things like that, because it's just, I don't know, it's just like amazing because you can, you actually can analyze how things take shape. Yeah. Um, but I love, this is actually probably my favorite interview of her, uh, not only for like a prayer, but probably a lot of her interviews because she's very relaxed. Um, and yes, she's, by this she's stage, very confident. They're, they're friends and yes. she, trusts, she trusts him. Uh, and he has always been a good interviewer. Uh, so, you know, cause he kind of goes in there to chat as friends. He doesn't go in there to try and find the, the, the dirt. He's just right. chatting to a friend and they will give him lots of information. Uh, and yeah, and you can just see that comfort and also that humor that she has in the interview. And I also mm-hmm. love the fact that her father's there as well. Yeah. And I always, I, I love that she's wearing this power suit. Um, she's in, she's sitting like on a white couch or like a beige couch, but in, in, in the background, I think, is there a piano? Um, but it's just the how, wherever she, the setting looks beautiful as does she and she just looks perfect uh she's got this the blonde bob with the curly hair um to me it's just like perfection again she doesn't have like a ton of makeup on um to me she just looks beautiful and i love that she like burps says hi i'm madonna and just starts (laughs) laughing like i love that and 
you could probably find it on YouTube, but there's outtakes from that interview. And there's one where a fax is coming in. So they have to keep stopping and she's starting to get annoyed (laughs) because she's like, who is sending a fax and why is it happening now? She's like, close that door. And they're like, it is closed or something like that. And, and then she's like, oh, (laughs) yeah. Classic Madonna. Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry, my dear Jessies. I know we only got through the first two songs, but if you keep it together for one more week, we will pick it back up with love song. In the meantime, go out to Instagram and give Wayne B. Tunks a follow. Until then, 